0: It's time for another episode of Dynasty Oasis Podcast. Here are your hosts Matt Newts and Josh Adkins.
1: Greetings and welcome to the Dynasty Oasis Podcast. My name is Matthew Newts. With me today as always, the man, the myth, the legend, the one, the only Joshua Adkins. Um, Eventually that intro is going to be about 35 seconds long, but uh, for now you're just the man, the myth, the legend. Um, How's it going, man?
0: Well, it kind of feels like the fishing tail, right? It gets a little bit bigger every time. It started as a a 10-inch perch, and now it's kind of like grown into a 20-inch walleye. In a couple years, it'll be a 40-pound northern.
1: That's right. Or uh, didn't someone, uh, you probably didn't even see this. I just saw someone caught like a world record sturgeon or something up in Canada. Uh, It doesn't matter. But um, yeah, so uh, football season is upon us. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, fishing talk. That's, that's definitely not what I had planned for starting the show today, but uh, actually, you know what, let's get into that. Uh, what's the biggest fish you ever caught?
0: <laughs> biggest fish I ever caught. Uh, so, well, I, I don't know if this was the biggest fish I ever caught, but the first time I ever went cane pole fishing, for those who don't know, that's just essentially there's no rod or reel, or reel, there's a rod, obviously, and just a, a spinner hook and you throw it in and you just troll around the lake. Uh, I threw it in and I was I was told by one of my cousins that the rod was going to be really heavy and when I threw the the reel in or the uh, the jig, whatever you call it, uh, the cane pole was extremely heavy and I couldn't figure out what was going on and eventually I handed the pole to my grandpa and uh, he sort of tugged it up out of the water and when I had thrown the hook into the water, I had caught a northern right on the side of his like gill and I' had been dragging this fish around the lake for, I don't know, you know, maybe 15 minutes or something like that. (laughs) Just, just struggling, you know, sweating over there. Uh, So I don't know if there's the biggest fish, but that's the best fishing story I have.
1: Well, that's outstanding. I, I also have a good Northern story. I caught two Northern on one cast. I caught a little baby Northern and as I was reeling (laughs) it in, a monster took the baby and uh, I got them both into the boat and the the, the baby wasn't doing so good, but
0: (laughs) yeah, that was fun. You wouldn't be either, uh, yeah. So I guess it's the end of fishing season, but it's the start of football season, and boy, it was good to have college football back this weekend, Newt. I don't, I don't know how much you were able to catch. Um, I watched a few games. I taped a few more. I'm going to watch a few back this week. But just the environment of college football and seeing uh, jump around in Wisconsin and seeing uh, the scene in Blacksburg on on Friday night against you know Virginia Tech and UNC when they play. Uh, Metallica enter Sandman and that stadium goes just crazy it was so much fun to have uh college football back it was a stirring reminder that in you know just literally like five days I'm gonna be in Cincinnati at the first game here for the vikings and gonna be back in that environment I'm just i i I hope you can hear it in my voice I'm just like my hair is standing on edge right now i cannot wait to get back into a, an NFL stadium and just uh enjoy football again it it's back and i'm I'm ecstatic
1: yeah, without a doubt. It's so cool Um, seeing those big crowds, and hopefully yeah. all those people are, are vaccinated and all that good stuff, <laughs> and hopefully we can keep these big crowds all year. Let's be yes. responsible.
0: Yeah, and maybe that's just a, a subtle reminder here at the, at the end of the day. If you had COVID rules from last year, extend those in your league this year. I think we are going to see some of that playing to effect. Uh, in fact, we've already seen it with one of the players here for Dallas in, in the game that we'll preview on our Wednesday show, and maybe that's just a good chance to kind of lay out the, the in-season schedule here, Newt. Uh, we're we're going to jump back up to two uh, shows a week. We had kind of dropped down to one for the off-season, and I think that'll generally be the plan as we go year to year here is it'll be two in-season and one during the off-season. Um, the the Monday show will be fairly film-heavy. We're going to be uh, breaking down what we saw in the games, giving you the Dynasty Nuggets that you need to go operate in your leagues, go win your leagues. Uh, and then the Thursday show is going to be much more preview. Um, And, you know, I don't even want to say preview because we tried to do a little bit more of that last year. It's going to be kind of quick hitting in terms of um, dynasty nuggets from each game as we go through the league, a little bit of college football. And we're going to be doing um, our game film drafts on on the Thursday show as well. So um, that's kind of the layout on the uh, the two shows in season. You got anything you wanted to say on that end? Yeah, we're going
1: to kind of test run our new format on our uh, next episode. We're going to record yes. Wednesday night, so look for that Thursday or Friday whenever your your schedule allows it. We're going to do our game draft like we've done in the past. We're both going to pick kind of the three games we're most excited to watch and uh, break down, recap, watch the film on. So um, we'll talk about why those games are interesting to us, and then we'll follow up on that with our, our Monday show. We're going to dive deep into those games. And then this year Josh is going to do um, – On our, our, you know, second show of the week, he's going to do a college, you know, basically a college football game of the week or things to watch for for Dynasty managers. Basically tell you which games you should be watching if you're trying to prospect for the next year and beyond.
0: Yep. So that's what you can look for in season from us. Uh, And, you know, we're going to continue that all the way through. Uh well for sure the end of the regular season in the NFL, but probably through the Super Bowl, I would think, before we sort of back it down, maybe even through the draft. So we'll just have to see how that goes. Uh what do we got coming up on tonight's show news? Yeah,
1: tonight's show we're gonna kinda lay out um some bold predictions, some hot takes, whatever your preferred nomenclature is for that. Um we're going to, we both got kind of a list of, I don't know, 10, 12 things that um, We're definitely a bit out on a limb for, um, so we're going to kind of kick that back and forth and have some fun with that, give you kind of uh, our, our biggest, boldest predictions that uh, if you listen to these and we are right, they will certainly uh, be some maybe league winning advice for you. And then after we're done with that, we're going to kind of um, break down our fantasy MVPs position by position, guys we expect will also help you win your leagues and then time permitting we might throw in a, a kind of a little mock draft bit at the end of the show
0: absolutely and real quick something just kind of came through on my phone just Hill tore his achilles this was recently reported so uh if you're hearing oh, this it's, it's the day after labor day and and you're at work but it's short work week so you'll get through of it through it but uh Tyson Williams, he's uh, pretty much the only game in town after Gus Edwards in that uh, Ravens backfield now. Tough break for the Ravens.
1: Yeah, Baltimore's really been hit with the injury bug from Dobbins to now this and previously Bateman. Let's hope that doesn't keep spreading. Uh, I know they brought in Todd Gurley for a look, uh, I don't know, a month or so ago. They must not have been very impressed by him, but I wouldn't be shocked to see kind of a a late transaction um, on their roster.
0: Well, I heard DJ say the reason that they wouldn't they wouldn't sign him was because of an injury risk that their doctors had with I him. I'm just so, looking
1: right now that they worked out Le'Veon Bell and Devonta Freeman today.
0: Okay, so they're searching. Yeah, tough break. Yeah. Uh, why don't we get right into uh, hot takes? I'm looking at it. I'm not going to count them, but I think you've got one or two more than I do. So why don't we start off with you? Pick any one of them, and, and let's hear what you got. Come with some some conviction, Newt's.
1: Well, I'll start with my uh, the one I wrote down first because I'm, <laughs> I'm on this I'm not the only one on this island, no. but I think CD lamb will be the number one wide receiver in fantasy in most formats this year PPR standard, whatever you play in. I think when you look back at your uh, your season rankings at the end of the year, CD lamb will fully cement himself as the best wide receiver in the NFL and certainly in dynasty formats.
0: Yeah, it absolutely looks like that's a possibility. And, you know, I think a lot of the worry in the fantasy community comes from the fact that Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup are both very good players. They do have Ezekiel Elliott, and there's a question mark around Dak Prescott. But uh, just the raw tools are absolutely there for him to, you know, grab the bull by the horns and and, and be a wide, the wide receiver one in uh, the NFL this year. I don't think it's that crazy. It's definitely bold, though. And, and I'll... Uh, I'll go to a wide receiver one, too. And actually, the the other rookie from last year, why don't I just go with Justin Jefferson? And uh, we've had this discussion before, and I think we should have it again. I'm going to say Justin Jer- Jefferson is able to surpass 1,500 yards. And actually, this is probably my least my least bold call because he had 1,400 last year and didn't play basically for the first two games. That said, for any receiver, for a second-year receiver, it's a big number to put up. And I, I think he's going to be you know, that type of player. Let's say he's, you know, wide receiver six and CeeDee Lamb is wide receiver two. And in Dynasty, I think most at this point have CeeDee over Jefferson. What would it take, I guess, for you to be convinced otherwise at this point?
1: Um, I think if I. I think if I look at my rankings, I'm pretty sure they're like my top two right now. So probably yeah. Yeah, I got them in the same tier. So for me to to flip Jefferson ahead of CeeDee Lamb, you want to know what it would take for that to happen? Sure. Um, it's almost not even so much about either of their individual talents, it's about I see CeeDee Lamb with Dak Prescott for the majority of the bulk of his career. And I don't really know who That's is going point. to be passing Justin Jefferson the ball yeah. two, three years from now. So it's not even really up to him, I guess, to change my mind, unless it would almost take CeeDee Lamb having, like, a, heaven forbid, a, a bad injury or something.
0: Yeah. Cause I'll argue right now that Justin Jefferson is the, the better route runner and player. And I just, I think you're right in terms of the upside because of the offense that he plays in and the way they want to play football. I just, when I look at what Justin Jefferson was able to do as, as a rookie, um, man, it, it seems like maybe maybe we've actually switched. It, it felt like the the counter, you know, counterculture take to say CeeDee Lamb over Jefferson with how they finished last year. I think we've gotten to a point now where the opposite almost could be said for having just taking Jefferson over CeeDee Lamb at this point. I don't know. I'm kind of just spitballing here, but uh, I I I kind of wonder if Jefferson's maybe not just the better player and we're projecting something on CD that Jefferson already has shown.
1: That's very possible. yeah, so uh, I'll keep it in the wide receiver realm since we're, we've are we been going sure. back and forth there. I think a lot of people I've seen looking for kind of that next Stefan Diggs, um, the, the good receiver that we already knew was good to to step up and have a crazy volume increase and maybe elevate themselves into the top echelon of wide receivers and I think Calvin Ridley is the most likely candidate for that list. I expect him to lead the NFL in both targets and receptions this year.
0: I love that one, and and you know, it's funny. I debated putting him on this list, and I you had kind of beaten me to the punch, so I sort of left it off there. I've, uh, I don't have a lot of dynasty shares, unfortunately. I sold early on kind of uh, one of the more regretful decisions I've made in the past couple of years, but I've bought him a bunch again in redraft. I think he's on on pace for a big year this year. Uh, I'll go with another wide receiver one. I've got a, a lot of wide receiver ones, so let's knock a few of those off. Uh Elijah Moore and Devonta Smith, both rookie wide receivers. Uh, both guys that I think can be the wide receiver one for their team this year. I've got them both eclipsing a thousand yards and eighty catches as rookies. Um, I don't think it's really all that, you know, hard to imagine, especially for Devonta Smith in this offense. Now uh concerns about jalen jalen hurts and whether or not he can be an accurate passer i don't have those concerns i'd be curious um to hear kind of your thoughts on on that one but um elijah moore and zach wilson to me seems like like a layup i think those two are going to be um really good together right away and you know the the camp reports of elijah moore just it seems like i'm hearing it from so many different places that it doesn't feel like uh, this is a contrived beat reporter trying to pump a player. It's, it's Elijah Moore is really that deal. And uh, I think he's going to show it right away for the jets.
1: Yeah. I love Elijah Moore. I'm, I'm, I've been working hard to get as many shares as possible across my leagues. Uh, I'll use that as a smooth little transition point. Cause one of my hot takes was at some point this season, Philadelphia will start Gardner Minshew over a healthy Jalen hurts. And um, I think the reason I came to this conclusion isn't really my personal opinion on Jalen Hurts. I do like Jalen Hurts, but I'm I'm really not sold that the Philadelphia Eagles like Jalen Hurts that much. Um, <laughs> they've positioned themselves in a manner to go out and um, make a move for um, a top quarterback in next year's draft. They have the ammunition um, with the Carson Wentz trade and they're trading down in last draft. I think they could potentially have upwards of three first-round picks next year. So I don't feel like their front office is married to Jalen Hurts long-term. They made that trade for for Gardner Minshew a few weeks ago, and granted, it wasn't like they gave up a third-round pick for the guy, but I think we've seen enough from Gardner Minshew in the past to where if if Hurts has a few rough games or something, there may be some level of temptation to, to give Gardner a look. Um, if they're still not fully committed to Jalen Hurts. So um, this isn't necessarily what I want to have happen. I hope Jalen Hurts plays very well. It's just something I could certainly see happening.
0: I definitely could see it happening too. I think the actionable uh, move off of this is, I think that sentiment is out there. And where just, you know, six months ago, I was calling Jalen Hurts a huge sell, especially in single quarterbacks. I was able to land the 201 him. You're able to command this huge value because everybody was, Certain that he was now the Eagles long term starting quarterback and because of the legs and et cetera, his value ballooned way up. Um, At this point now, I think that there is enough concern for exactly what you're talking about, that if we see some unstable performances, I would go trade for Jalen Hurts. And the reason is I think people are going to get very skittish. They're going to be worried about Minshew and the future there. I just believe in Jalen Hurts. I think if he's not going to be the starting quarterback in Philadelphia, they spent a second-round pick on him. There's teams that would would want him for a third, maybe even to get, get them back out at the same price they paid. So I would then be going and buying Jalen Hurts because, like you said, I believe in the player. Uh, that said, it, you're, you're absolutely right. It doesn't feel like Philadelphia uh, believes in the player. I'll, I'll go with one of my bolder ones, uh, and this is uh, DeAndre Swift. I think he's going to have better receiving statistics in 2021 than Alvin Kamara. Oh, wow. uh, I know that sounds sounds pretty bold, but uh, let me set it up. I think, first off, you look at sort of the two teams. They've got a very similar, well, the coaching staffs at least, and the 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 philosophy behind the two teams. I think is going to be very similar, and how they deploy backs and how important backs are in those offenses. Alvin Kamara now has uh, Jameis Winston, a downfield. Uh, looking-to-take-shots type of quarterback, a guy who's not necessarily going to check it down, or it's going to be Taysom Hill, and we saw how much that can hurt Kamara's passing game you know, volume in, in the last season. Now, I'm not saying Kamara's going to drop to 40 receptions or something like that, but I think too often we're we're undervaluing DeAndre Swift because of this offense. So there's it was, it was a chance to A, say, go buy DeAndre Swift, get him in redraft. He's coming at an extreme price there. Um, he's still an excellent player, and I think he's going to have a big year. Um, And I think that Kamara, you know, Kamara is going to make up for some of what he did uh, receiving-wise in previous seasons with touchdown and maybe even a little bit more of a a, a split in the run game because of the lack of, you know, explosion in Latavius Murray and some of the other backs they've got there. Uh, So I'm not even saying Kamara is a bad value or, or going to be a bad player this year. I just think Swift is going to outperform him. As a receiver in that Detroit offense, it's going to really look for uh, checkdowns because of the lack of targets they've got. So um, I'm a big DeAndre Swift fan, and that's uh, that's probably the boldest call I have. I wanted to kind of come out swinging here a little bit.
1: I like that you're uh, uh, big on the Swift bandwagon because the community does seem to be pretty down they on him right now. Jumped he, off, yeah. Yeah, he was my favorite back in last uh Last year's running back class and talent alone, I haven't really seen anything to change m- my opinion of that. So, um, I like that one.
0: All right. What um, do you got?
1: I will, hmm. I'm going to stick with uh, an obligatory Jalen Darden mention for this episode of the <laughs> Dynasty Oasis podcast. Um, we've p- pimped him out as one of our favorite, you know, dynasty stashes, but this might even, um, my, my take here might even allude to a bit of a best ball play. I think he makes an immediate impact in Tampa this year, and it's hard mm-hmm. to it's hard to kind of see how based on the talent they have ahead of him on roster, but I think he's talented enough to where Tom Brady's going to eventually use his pull to get Jalen Darden out onto the field. Um, I don't think we're going to see many five-plus catch games, but I think there's going to be – four or five touchdowns sprinkled in there. So, yep. um, and I think those touchdowns are going to come on a uh, deep ball type play. Cause that's really what this offense is missing is a guy to take the top off the defense. I think you're going to see, um, some big plays out of Jalen Darden this
0: year. And I think you should take him with the last pick of your best ball drafts. I love that one. And you, you, you mentioned making immediate impact. He's already got the punt return and kick return job, but a, a job that I think he can excel in. and, and, probably scored two touchdowns off of that job alone. He's, he's an exceptionally fun football player. He's amongst the more uh, guys that I'm most excited to see actually put on a uniform and play against starters um, as a rookie. So I uh, love that one. I'll stick with the Buccaneers here. I've got, uh, I've got Antonio Brown will lead the Buccaneers in both targets and receptions in 2021. Uh, came on very, very strong the last eight weeks of the season. Last year, I believe, was the wide receiver 12. I don't have that right in front of me. Uh, but caught Tom Brady's eye. Tom's had you know his eyes on Brown for uh, what seems like three or four seasons now. He's finally got him. They've been in camp together. They've had a full off season to work. I really think Antonio Brown is primed to really give us maybe one more late you know kind of late Jerry Rice big season uh, here in Tampa Bay and and you know maybe that's all you're gonna get, but I think you're getting him an ex- at an extreme value. Um, I'm not even necessarily sure. He leads the Bucs pass catchers in points. I'm just, I think he's going to lead the team in targets and receptions in 2021.
1: All right. I do have one more Tampa Bay uh, hot take here. We'll so hear it. My, uh, my take on the Bucs running back situation, everyone's trying to figure this out. And I'm going to tell you right now, um, if you're planning for your fantasy playoffs, the best running back to roster on Tampa Bay is not yet on their roster. Right, I think this yeah. is a desperate team that um, knows their window is short. They're going to do whatever it takes to try and make another Super Bowl run. And I think come trade deadline, they're going to have a lot of the same frustrations they had last year with Rojo not being able to catch passes with Leonard Mm -hmm. Fournette. Just, I mean, who knows what you're going to get out of Leonard Fournette. And is Gio Bernard a good enough fallback option? I think this is a team that's primed to make a, a big deadline trade. And I could spin narratives for who it would be, but that would just be a lot of speculation. But I think um, you're, that's something you're going to want to pay attention to in season. I think Tampa Bay's got uh, a few more tricks up their sleeve to try and make another big push.
0: Would not shock me at all, especially if, if Gio Bernard, if this injury lingers or if he's just not the player that he's been in the past. I think that's the really the the guy they're looking for right now. And he's if, if Gio can't do it, he's definitely not on the team. Uh, so I talked about Antonio Brown a second ago, a guy who uh, closed the season very strong for Tampa Bay last year. I'm going to talk about another guy I'm expecting to finish the season very, very strong, and that's rookie Rashad Bateman. Uh, obviously, he's hurt right now. He's on the IR. Sounds like he'll miss at least the first three weeks, um, possibly a little bit longer than that. I, I think he's going to start, um, you know, whenever whenever he gets in, you know, whether that's week four or five, six. It's going to be a little bit of a slow burn, and I think there's going to be a buy-low window on Rashad Bateman at some point. But I think the last half of the season, the last eight games, I think he could be a top eight wide receiver in the NFL. I really do. I, I think with what Baltimore has, with with Lamar Jackson and sort of being able to transition to a more of a passing offense, I think which, when you look at what they're going to have to do early in this season to, to win games. It's going to have to be a lot of Gus Edwards and a lot of Lamar Jackson carrying this team on their back. I think as it starts to get healthy, as they can start to trust Marquise Brown maybe to stay healthy for a full season, um, I think they are going to have to convert more to a passing offense. And I think Bateman is going to be a huge, um, you know, shot in the arm in that regard. I think he scores like a top eight wide receiver the last eight weeks of the season.
1: All right. Um, I got a lot of quarterback stuff here. So let's start with uh let's start with Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold is going to uh shock a lot of people and um at the end of the year he's going to be a top twelve fantasy quarterback for the year twenty twenty one. I think he's gonna throw for over four thousand yards and thirty touchdowns, which would have put him in the top near the, you know, or at the back end of the top twelve in both categories. Sure last year. So I think when you combine those two rankings, I think we, ex- I expect him to finish somewhere around QB eight this year. And I think he's gonna, his improvement with uh, a new system is going to vault the Carolina Panthers into being one of the more fun fantasy football teams. And just frankly, one of the more fun offenses to watch in the NFL.
0: I, I love that take top top eight is, is bold for Sam Darnold. I think there's the player is in there. He's, uh, he's got all the talent in the world. He's, you know, kind of what we thought Jameis might be and and sort of where he was maybe early in his career. And can he be, you know, sort of take that next step and not have it go from sideways to off the road? Can he straighten this thing up and, and play? Because, the, the you know, the team around him is is ready to put up big points. I'll go with the, the guy whose job Darnold took, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, moving to Denver. He's now been named the starter week one. Uh, lucky for you, you don't have to eat a spoonful of mayo. Uh, so yeah. that's 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 fantastic news because you had said that early in the season that if Drew Locke is the starter, you would do that. So good for you. Uh, I'm gonna say Teddy holds this job all year, uh, and that Denver wins double-digit games. And the reason that I say that is, well, one, I think Teddy Bridgewater for Superflex is coming at an extreme value. I don't think he's a guy that I'm interested in in quarter, you know, single quarterback leagues, but in super flex, I think he's going to put up steady points every single year or every single week. And that's kind of what you're looking for in terms of a guy. If you need to go buy somebody right now that you could go get, um, if these two things hold true, he holds the job and they win games. I really think the reason I wanted to bring this up is because that's going to mean good things for the huge investments I have in this offense really across the board in terms of Javante Williams, in terms of Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, in terms of Noah Fant. I wanted to put Noah Fant someplace in this hot takes debate. And what I really decided is, you know what, Judy is another guy I wanted to kind of put into this conversation. And what I really decided was, was that if Teddy Bridgewater is good, if he can be kind of the quarterback that he's been steadying force. Uh, able to make plays when he needs to, and they can win games. I really think fantasy managers really across the board investing in Broncos right now are going to get paid off. If it switches to Drew Locke at some point, I think we go back to where a couple of them are complete duds on a weekly basis and and potentially kill your team, even though there's upside maybe in one or two as well. Um, Teddy's the guy that we need all year, and I think he holds the job.
1: I sure hope you're right. My my success this year in fantasy football is going to be so gosh darn dependent on the Denver I'm, Broncos skill position players. If they exactly. all fall flat, I'm I'm not going to make that much money this year, I don't
0: think. That's that's how I feel too. And so yeah, it's like Teddy Bridgewater, you, you talk about uh sort of obscure names that my my dynasty portfolio hinges on. I think he's he's kind of one of those names that you could throw into that bucket. So Uh, I wanted to put him on this list. Who do you got next? Um,
1: I'll stick with the quarterbacks. And um, if you look at any of the draft classes over, I don't know, the last 20 years, and you look at any of the draft classes that have like four or five first round quarterbacks, there's almost assuredly going to be one or two or more that you would have deemed a bust. And um, I, I was trying to think of these five first round quarterbacks, which one do I think will be the bust of this class? And this is where I'm going to have a hot take. I don't think there's going to be a single bust in this first round of all five quarterbacks I think are going to be, um, I mean, it's vague, but I think they're all going to have some varying levels of success. I don't think any fan base of these five teams is going to look back and say, this guy sucked, they may say, I wish we would have taken right. Mac Jones instead of Justin Fields or whatever. But I, I think all five of these starting quarterbacks are going to be franchise quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, no, I love that one. And it transitions me really easily into mine, which is three rookie quarterbacks will finish in the top 12 of fantasy score- scoring. And the way I'd, I'd qualify that, because I'm just total points, considering a few of these guys aren't starting yet, I'm going to say that's on a points per game basis and at a minimum of 10 games uh, started. So, uh, you know, I didn't want to potentially sort of, you know, not be wrong. There's nothing on the line here. But at the end of the day, I didn't want to be wrong because, you know, Fields didn't get in until week five and it made it very difficult for him to score like a top 12 player. So on a points per game basis, I think three of these rookie quarterbacks will finish in the top 12. I think Trevor Lawrence with the offense that he has there with Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chenault, and DJ Chark, if they can get him kind of uh, his head right. I know the Etienne blow was big, but I still think that they have more than enough weapons. And I think you saw a little bit of what we all, you know, so have sort of expected or come to expect from Trevor Lawrence in that final preseason game against Dallas. Yes, I know it was second-teamers, but he looked fantastic. I think he's going to have a a top-12 year pretty easily, pretty consistently. Um, And then between the last, you know, the other four, the first-round quarterbacks that you've referenced, I think it's almost... I, I don't know. I think I think the odds say that that two of them will finish in the top 12 and points per game scoring for 10 games at least. And, you know, I, I wouldn't put my money on Mac Jones. I think the reason that we were so excited about him is because of the steady stability, the kind of the the higher end of the Teddy Bridgewater sort of sort of player in in Superflex, the guy that you can count on. Um, but yeah, I think three of them are going to find a way to get to that top 12 and um, I guess my money would be on Fields and Lance, but boy, Zach Wilson is going to get get his chance right away, and I don't know. Uh, I I This could be too low, in my opinion. It could be four of these guys that end up doing this.
1: Yeah, I've been kind of taking this approach in uh, some of my redraft leagues. Yes. This is definitely redraft season for me. Basically, all my dynasty teams are, are complete, but uh, yesterday, my most recent draft, I my last three picks in my draft, it was single quarterback league. So I, I just said, screw it. And waited. I took Trey Lance, Justin Fields and uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick just kind of as the place. Perfect. I, I was yep. kind of trying to play for that late season. Okay. I, I want a quarterback that's going to make a difference for me, but I don't want to have to spend money. And spend I think that's, yep. I think that's really good redraft advice.
0: Absolutely. Who do you got next? Um,
1: I do have one more quarterback take. Um. It, it, Another narrative you see a lot on fantasy Twitter recently is um, every year, at least the last three years, there's been one quarterback that's kind of made a massive leap from, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. a guy you liked, but all of a sudden they're one of the top two or three super flex quarterbacks or just, you know, dynasty quarterbacks in general. It was Patrick Mahomes. And then the next year was Lamar Jackson winning the MVP. And obviously last year was Josh Allen. And uh, rather than give you a name of who I think that next man up is going to be, I'm just going to say, I don't think there's anyone that's going to make that type of a leap. And really the only name that I I thought of that could make, could potentially make that leap would be Jalen Hurts. And I kind of explained to you earlier why I'm not going to name him that guy. So I don't think you're going to see that this year.
0: Well, that was one of, when I saw this one on here, that was one of two names that came to my mind. Did, did Herbert break out in too significant of a I way last yeah, year? Yeah, that's make why him? I didn't include yeah, him, because
1: okay. I think he's already damn near there.
0: Because so. I, I think if one guy was going to sort of ascend to the quarterback one, outscore Mahomes, Jackson, Allen, sort of be that guy. It would be Herbert, but would that really be? Honestly, based on what I'm seeing in redraft, it doesn't feel like that's what people are are expecting. I'm seeing him go, you know, behind where he finished last year, which doesn't seem to make a lot of sense for a. And rookie. then
1: maybe in that scenario, he qualifies because wouldn't yeah. shock me if he transcended. In you know, I think next year in our Superflex startup dynasty drafts, Justin Herbert's not last and past pick four, so.
0: Good point. Okay. Uh, I've got a uh, tight end one here. And this one, I don't know. I'm going to be curious if you think this is that bold. I, I'm not actually certain that it is all that bold. Maybe I'm higher on this prospect than, than most. But I'm going to say Pat Fryermuth will have more receiving touchdowns in 2021 than, than everybody's favorite, the Wunderkin uh, Kyle Pitts. What do you have to say about that? Is that crazy? I, or I love is that- it. I okay. think
1: we're very much of the same mind on this uh, rookie tight end class. Uh, I I see most of the things everyone else sees in Kyle Pitts, but um, I think on ADP, like in startup dynasty drafts, he's like approaching tight end one in yeah. dynasty already, which he I is. think is just asinine. Um, I, I love Friar Muth. I, I don't love Eric Ebron, the man that's in <laughs> front of him. And I know – some of the same things that we say about pits and how hard it is for tight ends to make an immediate impact could also be applied to pat fryermuth but I think he's got a skill set that that could lead to early success. I think he's already built like an NFL tight end size, speed strength. I don't think he needs a year of putting on 20 pounds of muscle. I think he's already there and he feels just like the, the absolute perfect version of a Pittsburgh Steelers tight end. So I I love that. Uh, I love that take. And if I, if I got the requisite odds, you would probably get to make this wager in Vegas. I would put my money on that at some, you'd probably get like three to one on your money. I, I would definitely, put my money on that
0: yeah I think you for, you slide Frymuth ahead of draft class or back of draft class and we're, we're talking about this guy in a completely different um, sort of light because you I honestly
1: don't think he's that much of a different prospect than TJ Hawkinson was I, like I like him that much
0: yes I think that's a that's a great comparison in terms of NFL ready to make a contribution both blocking and receiving I think they're a little bit different players just in terms of how they're built but I, I think that's a great comparison just in terms of NFL ready. Um, and I think just the fact that he came in in a class with Kyle Pitts is has sort of not let us really understand how good of a prospect Pat Fryermuth is. Like I said, if he if you put him in next year's class, he's head and shoulders above Gerald, Jared Weidemeyer or, or anybody else in the tight end position. And I think the year before that with Cole Komet, I don't even think that's I mean, that's not even a comparison. No. So uh Pat Fryermuth is a fantastic prospect. I think he's been coming at a discount, and I think Pretty early on in this NFL season, people are going to realize that.
1: All right, I do have one more uh, offensive one, but I think I'm going to save it because uh, he will come up later uh, okay. on my list. So let's just kind of fire through. I think we both have a few uh, IDP just takes a couple these. here. Yep. I'm, yep. I'm just going to fire mine off. Uh, I think Miles Garrett's going to lead the NFL in sacks this year. I'm predicting 20 sacks, potentially chasing the uh, single-season sack record. Um, and I guess if that's true, my next take is probably going to be wrong, but <laughs> I got Devin White winning defensive player of the year.
0: Yeah, that one's that one's not shocking. I think he's, you know, it's funny. I feel like the, there's a perception that there's the Darius Leonard is still the best linebacker in pro football. I, my for my money, it's Devin White. Now it's very close. I got nothing bad to say about Leonard. The uh, he, he's a he's a fantastic player, but Devin White's the best linebacker. I've also got a sack based uh, call here, and it's it's Montez Sweat and Chase Young combined for thirty plus sacks. And yes. Long I ahead. did say that in the correct order. Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Chase Young is the and in this in this combination, in my right opinion. It. Montez Sweat is going to have a massive season, I believe. And and you know what this team has even beyond those two with Jonathan Allen and, and the linebackers there and Cole Holcomb and the rookie Jamin Davis, what they've got on the back end with Landon Collins and Cameron Curl, I think this is pretty easily going to be your top scoring fantasy defense. Uh, for for team yeah for team defense I already said it yeah perfect uh, so yeah uh, wheels up on the football team baby
1: love it all right uh, you do have one more defensive one left oh yeah sorry oh yeah wow. spit that
0: out oh yeah okay yeah well I got uh, Zayvon Collins uh, l- rookie linebacker out of Tulsa is going to outscore both Micah Parsons and Jamin Davis who were drafted uh, well was Jamin actually a pick pick or two behind. Zayven. but I think Zaven Collins is going to be your top scoring IDP rookie linebacker. All right, yeah, I do think
1: he was the second one off the board, but yes, I think, uh, that's I think right. in yeah. um, any of the IDP drafts I've been doing this offseason, uh, Jamin Davis has been commonly going ahead yes. of uh, zaven Collins. So, hundred
0: percent, yep. All well, right, let's get do... to some MVPs.
1: Yeah, let's kind of go through this a little quick because I think this mock draft would be kind of fun, and I I think we have time to get them both done. So uh, the way I kind of did mine, and I think you did it the similar way. Yeah. For each position, I went kind of a high end guy that I, you know, something that's not going to shock you, then kind of a mid tier player and a, you know, kind of a deep flyer, um, guys that could massively outperform basically their adp or their consensus value right now mm-hmm. um so for quarterback position my my high-end guy we already talked about him it's justin herbert
0: oh good one yeah no i think that's i, I went i went really high-end here it's pat mahomes to me yeah i, think, I consider you know. that too you know i have seen a lot of talk recently about him not being worth his adp in redraft that's almost 100 of the time the 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 truth because in redraft leagues especially in some of your more casual redraft leagues He goes in like the early second or even in the first sometimes. And obviously that's insane. But if we're just talking about of the high end quarterbacks, the one who's going to be your your fantasy MVP, it's it's Pat Mahomes. I'll lead us into middle tier, Uh, a a guy we're just not going to agree with, I think, tonight on. And that's Jalen Hurts. I think he is acquirable still. I think on sort of the you know, the notion that they don't like him is fine and a concern. And, you know, definitely there's no doubt about it. But at the end of the day if he's good if he goes out and performs they're not going to just be able to I mean maybe they just still trade him away and go do whatever they want to do at the end of the day but if he goes and performs he's going to be worth double honestly the way he's being valued right now I really believe that and so uh and and just in terms of a league winning perspective I think with the legs with what he can do uh you know both throwing and running I think he provides that upside so I get it. The downside is massive. The downside is he doesn't have a job in in two months. Uh, But I think the upside's there as well. So Jalen Hurts was my middle tier guy.
1: Uh, My middle tier guy, which frankly, I don't even think he should be a middle tier guy. But based on where I've been seeing him get drafted in both Dynasty and redraft is Matt Stafford. I think in my draft last night, he was like the 12th or 13th quarterback picked, Mm -hmm. which I just frankly think is stupid. I think um, there should be much more buzz on Stafford in this new environment. I think Matt Stafford's pretty easily going to be a top six
0: fantasy quarterback this year if he stays healthy. Yeah, I definitely considered him in this spot. Um, you know, just for the sake of brevity, I'll say my long shot is Teddy Bridgewater. And this is, again, more of a super flex play, not a quarterback one, you know, uh, single quarterback league play. But in, in super flex, go, go buy Teddy right now. He's the best yeah. quarterback there is. If I can channel my my inner Ben Solak for a second. The thing to remember about Drew Locke is that he's not any good. Um, so, yeah, uh, Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback here, and I don't think he's going to give this job back. I think the defense and weapons around him are going to lead them to them winning games. He's going to go win games for them, and he's not giving this job back. So go buy him in Superflex. He's a starter all year.
1: All right, and I'm going to double down on one of my earlier takes as well. My flyer is Sam Darnold for all the reasons I said earlier in the episode. So let's move on to running back. Uh, High-end guy for me, Antonio Gibson. Uh, in In redraft, you're getting him early second round. I think next year this time he's going to be one of the three or four top picks in the entire league. Um, I think if you're ever going to have a, a palatable acquisition cost on Antonio Gibson, you're running out of time. So go and get him now. I, I think his value is going to go to the moon.
0: I love the the Antonio Gibson call. This is kind of like uh, quarterback. I went high end of the high end here. I'm saying Dalvin Cook uh, with this Irv Smith injury. How narrow the the passing you know volume already was in terms of there only really being two other targets besides Irv that were in this offense and Thielen and Jefferson. I think Cook is a layup for 60 catches, assuming he can stay healthy. And I almost wonder, you know, this could be a little spillover here onto Alex Madison. I almost wonder if they don't have to reserve Cook a little bit more for that type of role because of the fact that they don't now have Irv Smith and, and Kyle Rudolph and really a functional tight end. So I think Dalvin Cook in PPR leagues is going to... Um, the, the rushing production is still going to be there. Obviously, he's still going to score a lot of touchdowns. He's going to get 15 to 20 carries every game. But I think the passing volume that he could potentially see the spike there from, you know, the injuries that the Vikings have had and the, basically their failure to find a slot wide receiver or a second outside wide receiver, uh, it, it's going to lead to Dalvin Cook being forced to sort of take that role on himself. So my, my high-end guy, again, kind of a layup, but, but it was Dalvin Cook.
1: Yeah, I've yet to draw the 101 in any of my Same. redraft leagues, but um I would take Dalvin Cook if I Same. I have a draft in about two hours and twenty minutes. And if I draw the number one overall pick, Dalvin Cook will be on my team. So I love that advice. Uh my mid-tier fantasy MVP for running back is very on brand for me. It's Tony Pollard. Um, I think the efficiency will no longer be able to be ignored. I think he is going to be a top 24. Uh, running back, regardless of what Zeke does.
0: Yeah, I debated. I debated picking him here, but I I saw he wasn't on your hot takes list, so I figured he would definitely make this list. So I, I left him off. I went with Chase Edmonds, a guy that I don't I don't talk about a terrible amount, but I think we we are both mo- very much in the camp that says James Connors' best years were behind him two years ago. Yeah. Um. You know, he's not the same player that he was. He's going to get some amount of carries. They have to sort of find somebody to just sort of grind a little bit for them. But I think Chase Edmonds is walking into a very valuable role. I think he's going to get somewhere in the 200 to 250 touch neighborhood. And I think he's a high efficiency player that in this offense, you start spreading people out. They've got the weapons to do that now. Now they're really stressing people uh, horizontally with Rondell Moore, as well as vertically with AJ Green and and DeAndre Hopkins. I think Chase Edmonds is going to have have the opportunity at least to break some big plays this year. And I think he's He's coming at, frankly, a, a pretty big value in both dynasty and redraft, uh, however you look at it.
1: I think you're right. We probably haven't talked about him nearly as much this offseason as yeah. we ought to have because um, we we both were very fond of what we saw from him on film last year. And yes. honestly, James Conner was like the best case scenario for them <laughs> <and> to <laughs> bring was. in another back for Chase Edmonds managers because uh, for all the reasons you said, James Conner, I think he's good enough to... To be what they're going to need him to be, to be the change of pace, spellback. But he's not good enough to to scare me off of Chase Edmonds anyway, whatsoever. So yeah,
0: if I remember correctly, when when Connor signed there, we were in a uh, startup draft, and I had drafted Chase Edmonds like 15 minutes before that. And while I'm sitting there, kind of fist pumping, like, oh yes, this is perfect. The, the whole league was, was flooding my inbox with condolences and I'm going, guys, I'm, I'm really excited about the way this works. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm excited about Edmonds. And I think, uh, you know, I think you can still go buy him for a, a fairly reasonable price, a second and a, a wide receiver that that's got a little buzz a Darnell Mooney. I'd go maybe make some sort of offer like that a third and Mooney, probably the way I like Mooney, but, but I think he's viable right now. Who do you got as your long shot?
1: Uh, I had him in my hot takes, but I, I, I didn't want to, spoil it uh early it's Ramondre Stevenson I I'm oh. very, very, very high on him. I think the preseason, he did what we needed him to do. He won himself. Um, basically, he got Sony Michelle kicked off the team. And now I think <laughs> he's eventually going to get uh, Damian Harris put into a second string role. Ramondre Stevenson, I'm predicting a double-digit touchdown performance for him this year. And I think by week six, he is going to be getting 15-plus carries a game.
0: I think he's going to force a three-headed committee at the very least. If if everybody's out there, I think he's going to force his way into this backfield. So uh, and I'm saying
1: I think he just downright he
0: takes might. the
1: job. I yeah, mean, obviously well James light. White has his role, but I think Ramondre's taking that first and second down and goal line role for himself.
0: I like that. My long shot is, you know, I, I toiled about this one. I just went with NFC North backup running back or rookie backup running back. Sands the Vikings at the very least. I'm not all that excited about Kenny, but... Uh, Khalil Herbert in Chicago has looked fantastic this preseason, has, has really forced his way onto the roster. Kylan Hill is a guy that I'm I'm infatuated with. I think I said last week on the show that, you know, if I'm going to deploy a committee in Green Bay, he makes every bit as much sense as sort of the change of pace guy as, as AJ Dillon does. And then Jamar Jefferson keeps looking good in Detroit. Uh, obviously, Swift's a little bit banged up there. Jamal Williams is, um, you know, towards the latter end of his career. I think all three of these guys are going to have games this year where they're given roles, and I think all three are good players that are going to make uh, make a four to eight year career in the NFL. So yeah, all, all three are guys that I, I say are sort of long shot MVP potential players. All right, what do you wide got? Wide receiver, so, wide receiver,
1: my top end guy. I don't need to talk about.
0: You already know it's CD Lamb. Oh, all right, fair enough. Yeah, then I I won't make you do it. Uh, I'll I'll say Devontae Adams here. Um, really the Packers have done nothing to this this team to really change how they broke up targets last year. They added Amari Rogers. Doesn't look like he's going to start. It'll be Randall Cobb, who I guess technically they added. But I I see a lot of sameness. You can maybe project a few more targets to Robert Tanyan, but Devontae Adams is going to continually get fed. I don't think anything has changed. From from last season, it's you know, you don't want to base your opinion this year on what happened last year, but I think we're going to see a repeat of what Devontae Adams did last year. And you know, I think really the, the biggest selling point for me on Devontae is he's the most consistent asset in fantasy football at the most inconsistent position. Wide receiver is all over the map, you're going to get 30 point games and you're going to get five point games. Devontae Adams is one of the few players along with maybe Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen. There's a few of these guys that you just know. They're never hit, they're never falling below, you know, a 12, floor. He's so consistent. He never burns you. Know, Devontae Adams is still, uh, really deserves to still be the wide receiver one in redraft, despite the age and dynasty, deserves to be valued very, very highly.
1: All right. My mid-tier guy. Um, Michael Pittman, Jr from the Colts, uh, did a film refresh on him, I don't know a month or so ago and I, I really rekindled my love for him. I, I think he's poised to to kind of join that elite class from last year as guys yep. that really catapult themselves into the upper echelon of the the dynasty wide receiver rankings. I think he's going to have a massive breakout year. The run after catchability for a man of his size is is frankly it's yeah. unnatural.
0: Yeah, he chews up ground with every stride. It's funny, I I was between Pittman and one other guy, the guy that I ended up choosing, so good good on you. Uh, I went with LaVisca Chenault. Love uh, it. I t- talked a little bit about Trevor Lawrence. I think he's kind of the rookie quarterback that can break the mold and be good right away and probably be good for multiple fantasy assets right away. I know J.J. Zacharyson did a good study on that this offseason. Um, I you know certainly respect J.J.'s work. I think, I think Trevor can be the guy that bucks sort of that trend uh, and I think LaVisca Chenault going to be a, a big beneficiary there. I think uh, Marvin Jones taking pressure away, you know, the running game being sound. Uh, really, my only worry with this offense is what does the offensive line look like? But uh, at the end of the day, I think Chenault and at least one other wide receiver, probably Marvin Jones, are going to be top 24 guys. And, and you're getting uh, both well beyond that spot right now.
1: I agree. Uh, my deep shot flyer is Nico Collins um, good one. of all the kind of guys ranked around him. He has the clearest path for, for high volume. And I think he's uh, a really talented player. So I think he has sneaky volume and sneaky talent and he's just kind of being ignored. Cause he's on the most diseased franchise in the NFL, but there's going to be balls <laughs> going his way.
0: Nope. Good call. I I debated him as well. I ended up going with Josh Palmer. Uh, the, the idea here is from a dynasty standpoint, he's got, you know, uh, a a very solid quarterback in Justin Herbert that he can, you know, build with over the next couple of years. Mike Williams is perpetually hurt. It seems like he goes up and makes a spectacular catch lands on his hip and he's out for four games just about every season. Keenan Allen is in the latter stages of his career. I think Josh Palmer is a pretty good player. You were actually the one who turned him on to me in the draft process um, as just being kind of a player that was that was miscast at Tennessee, used incorrectly, um, and I think he he's he's turned some heads in in Charger camp. So Josh Palmer is sort of my long shot uh, call here. Who do you got at tight end?
1: Uh, my top end guy. Um, I think a lot of people would probably put him in the mid tier, but screw it, he's the top end guy. If you ask me, it's Noah Fant.
0: Oh boy, well now I'm in trouble because I've got him as my my middle tier guy. Oh, so that's all right. I forgive you. <laughs> Well, I talked a little bit about last week about I, I don't think the consensus is that he's in that Kittle Waller category, but that's I think where both me and you have him. Uh, I felt like I could still consider him middle tier for this exercise. The guy I went with, with George was George Kittle. Uh, I still th- you know consider me now in the minority that says he's still the best tight end in football. I know Travis Kelsey is fantastic. if I'm drafting a team and you know for to go win a game right now in the NFL, George Kittle healthy. I think is a bigger weapon in terms of what he can do in the pass and and run game, what he can do after the catch, just creating for himself. So uh, I think he has a massive year this year. The pressure is, is, is for the most part taken off him now with what they've done at wide receiver, what they've done with this running game and offensive line, Uh, Kyle Shanahan and this team, if they can stay healthy and get the quarterback, right, they are going to put up big points this year. And so, yeah, I went with Kittle.
1: All right, my mid-tier guy is Jonu Smith. I don't think um, he's being valued where he should be because people are afraid of the Hunter Henry acquisition. Uh-huh. I know we've talked about this before, but yep. I don't think Jonu Smith's role really has anything to do with whether or not Hunter Henry is on the team. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think he's um, – and actually Hunter Henry, you can make a similar case for him. Is I think both of them are being hurt by the other when, frankly, I don't think the other one really affects their – their touches or value in any way to me.
0: Yeah, no. This is, this is a great point because you're right. I think a lot of the community was fading them. I was actually fading them for a different reason. I was fading them because of Cam because I just I didn't think that there was you can't you can't throw for 130 yards in a game and and make even one wide receiver viable or, or one pass catcher viable. Now that it's Mac Jones and now you know and to your point, both are going to be in play. The Patriots have essentially said we are going. Uh, we're zigging where everybody else is zagging. We're going to play power football against a much lighter, uh, more nickel-based NFL. I think it's going to be successful for them, and you're right. Janu and Hunter I don't think are necessarily one hurts the other. I mean, they're both targets in the offense, and I think they could be the top two. So I, th- I-, I love that call. Uh, my long shot, is it even a long shot? I'm not sure because I think there's a lot of steam on this guy, but I went with Gerald Everett. Um, in I considered
1: know, him for my mid tier, to be honest. Okay,
0: yeah, and I was I was kind of afraid of that. I'd be honest, I there's not a lot of you know, if you don't pick this guy, there's there's a guy I'd like to talk about as that's a little bit deeper than Gerald Everett. But I went with Everett because I wanted to talk about him in Seattle now, Russell Wilson uh, as has said in camp that he's enjoyed working with with Everett. It feels like he's the starting tight end there. Will Disley, not a terrible player, but I think Everett's the the more fantasy viable. I think he's going to find a way to stumble into eight touchdowns this year. And considering he's being drafted outside the top 15 tight ends, uh, that's a guy that that I feel like's a long shot in my opinion. Who do you got?
1: My long shot. Um, another guy I've talked about quite often on the show. It's Harrison Bryant from the, the Cleveland okay, Browns. Like uh, yep. he, he definitely is not going to get heavy volume at least early in the year, but I -hmm. I think he's better than Austin Hooper already. And I think he will grow as a tight end and clearly be the tight end one on their team heading into the 2022 drafts. I think this is more of a dynasty play than anything. I'm not really targeting him in redraft, but in dynasty leagues, I think he's, he's way cheaper than he ought to be.
0: That's a great call. So the, the really deep one that I was referring to is Juwan Johnson in new Orleans. I don't, I'm starting to believe Adam Troutman was never slated for this big bump in targets that the fantasy community was hoping he would get. I think he's he's there to be Josh Hill, to be a wet red zone weapon as well as a blocking tight end. I think that's honestly what he's there to do. And now, especially with the injury that he's got, they've converted Juwan Johnson, a, a former wide receiver, to tight end. I kind of think maybe that's the guy that's going to actually be the pass catcher. And so this is a. Uh, what platform are you on, sort of specific conversation, because he's not listed as a tight end everywhere. Uh, But go look at whatever you're playing on, check to see if he's a tight end, because I think uh, in that Saints offense, that's a guy that could bubble up awfully quickly.
1: All right, let's skip IDP. I think if we skip the IDP ones, we have time to get at least the first round of this draft in. So I'm going to flip a virtual coin, heads or tails?
0: Heads.
1: Heads. All right, heads it is. Do you want pick one or two? We'll go back and forth. I'll
0: take pick one. Are we doing super flex or or single quarterback?
1: Well, I think... Man, that's tough, because if we do super flex with all the quarterbacks in the last two drafts, that might take up the
0: damn near the first round. Here's what we'll... We'll we'll do super flex, but let's say that we're actually building a team. So, okay. you, you're, you know, if you're taking a third quarterback in the in the, you know, at pick six or at pick five, you're doing okay. it at the expense of your starting So lineup. my
1: my pick one and my pick three are are going on to the same roster.
0: Yes, exactly. Makes we're, sense. we're picking right. a roster here, basically. Yeah. So okay. um, I'm going to do something. Oh, man, I'm going to do something unpopular. I'm going to take Justin Herbert over Trevor Lawrence. We've seen it. I love what they've done for this offense. I, you know, Josh Palmer, the addition there was, I think, was a good one. The addition of Joe Lombardi, Corey Lindsley. I think Justin Herbert proved last year that he's the real deal. He has that sort of one out of seven guys in the league have the ability to sort of throw the ball to the moon. And I think Herbert's that that dude. What he was able to do under pressure last year. I wanted to take Trevor Lawrence here because he's such a bulletproof prospect, but we've seen it from Herbert. Um, I know exactly what Herbert is and he's a damn good player. So yeah, he's going to be my one I'm kind of shocking myself here.
1: I honestly don't think you're that crazy because I would have done the same thing. Okay. Um, even though we're building a team, I could be sneaky and avoid quarterback because you already took one, but it is super flex or so we're going to want two on this roster. So I will go Trevor Lawrence here. I still think um, in super flex, he's probably the, the best option available of all the remaining guys from these past two classes.
0: I totally agree. Um, Man, I probably should take quarterback again, or the value says to take quarterback again, but because we're building a team here, I'm going to take CeeDee Lamb because I don't think he's going to get back to me. So, uh, CeeDee Lamb, uh, we've we've talked about him a few different times in the show. I think we both have him ranked inside the top five dynasty wide receivers. There's probably no scenario you could still go trade for him, but uh He's a superstar, and I can't wait to watch him play on Thursday night. Go ahead with your four pick.
1: All right. Well, I'll take Justin Jefferson then. Good we'll call. play a bit of chicken with our our yeah. QB two. Uh, I couldn't let you get them both, so Justin Jefferson for basically the same reasons.
0: All right. In this instance, I don't want to take another quarterback for a while. I want to try to I want to try to get the better team. I want to get a better team than you. So I'm going to take a quarterback that I know can help me week one. I'm going to take Zach Wilson here. I know that's probably going to shock a few people. Joe Burrow on the board, Trey Lance, a few different quarterbacks that you could have gone with here. But I want a guy that's starting week one. And I I like Zach Wilson in that spot. He is a he's a natural passer. You've seen what the arm looks like in preseason. Uh, He's I think he's going to be a superstar. I love what the Jets are doing. Go ahead at six.
1: All right, I have no real rush to take another quarterback now, especially yep, considering call. you already have two. So, I'm going to I'm going to probably go off the board a little bit at the running back position. I think most people would take Jonathan Taylor, but I'm taking Antonio Gibson.
0: Ooh, love that. I had him ranked back to back. Uh so I'm going to just make this one easy. I've I've got JT there then.
1: All right. And I think uh due to positional scarcity, we might see a little bit of running back uh running back think? splurge here. Now I kind of got a tough decision to make. I'm just going to – I'm going to stay true to my own rankings, and I'm going to take your advice from earlier. I'm going to take DeAndre
0: Swift. Damn it. That's who I wanted. Uh, man. Well, you know what? Here's the here's the silver lining. I have no shares of this player right now, so I get to pretend like I'm, I'm really excited. No, I do love – I love Najee. He's the pick here. Uh, I just don't have any shares because I was taking a lot of Jamar Chase and, and, and just – Building behind wide receivers at the top of drafts in in um, in early April and, and May when we were doing those. So uh, who do you got here at time? I'm
1: gonna snipe you again, Brandon Ayuk. Oh, man.
0: man alive, you're breaking. I whenever I take C.D. Lamb from you, I've noticed your the your goal for oh, the rest of the I, day or the rest of the draft. I get is just,
1: red with rage. You and do, and I, yeah. How can I, I, have I to get make back? Make sure you. <laughs> I have to make sure to hurt your feelings.
0: All right. Well, then I'll take uh, the one guy that I still did have ranked ahead of Brandon Ayuk. I don't know why because I'm just I'm not convicted on this guy, but I think uh, I think I will take him here. It's C.E.H. Clyde Edwards-Alaire. We haven't talked a lot about him. I think we all got a little bit bamboozled by the uh, the Kansas City offense last year and sort of let. The talent side of things not speak loud enough that's not to say ch isn't a good player he was a top pick in the you know top running back in that draft for a reason however i there was a bunch of guys that i liked talent wise a little bit better coming into the year and we all sort of fell for the old he's on kansas city trick but i'll take him here at 11 who do you got at 12
1: all right now this is i i am gonna take the another quarterback now finally because i i just think good that's call not worth risking letting you take one just for the value to trade to to someone else so now i'm kind of conflicted but uh i'm gonna go trey lance we'll go okay. to we'll, we'll go with another rookie it was between him and burrow
0: yeah i don't blame you there and actually i'm gonna get my my sort of secondary upside piece here and i'm just gonna take justin fields yeah, uh, I considered
1: I, him as well
0: Yeah, and that's they've come off the board in the order now that I've got them ranked uh, A little bit more of a gap maybe between Wilson and Lance and Fields Obviously than in a normal draft because of how we set this up um, But they are coming off in the order that I expected uh, My up or you up? You're up, aren't you?
1: Yeah, that was an interesting point And, oh man I'm kind of afraid of the player that I'm considering, so I'm gonna avoid it. I'm gonna take Kyle Pitts. I don't think he would have lasted this long if it weren't me and you drafting.
0: Probably not. No, you're right. And he was he was atop the list. I think I would have just on principle alone taken the guy. I am gonna take here just because I've been advocating for him over Pitts all year, uh, and that's Jamar Chase. I think we're we're freaking out way too much about a couple of preseason drops. Um, right. One or two of which he would have gotten his head taken off of, and what is the the backup quarterback doing, trying to fit that into your first round rookie? I mean, just let's let's all calm down. I'm going to be there on on Sunday. I expect Jamar Chase is going to make a couple like drop jaw dropping plays. I'm still super excited. Uh, go buy if you can, because there's there's negative sentiment out there for sure. Uh Who do you got at 16? All right.
1: I'll take a player that I just traded for another share of today. I'm going to take Jerry Judy.
0: Good pick. Good pick. That's actually the next guy that I had up. Um, You know what? We are building this for a singular team, but I don't think this is even a negative. I'd take both of them on a team if I could. Uh, give me T Higgins. Uh, I right. think he's being massively still disrespected, you know. The same people who are scared about Jamar Chase haven't then gotten excited about T Higgins it seems. It feels like they're just people are just down on Cincinnati in general. I think this is gonna be a, a boom offense this year. They're gonna put up some points so uh yeah, I'm invested in the Bengals. I'm I'm not scared. keep going.
1: All right. Well, I'm waiting for Trey Lance to take the job that he already probably does. Well, he does have that little injury, so I guess it makes sense he's at least not starting Week One. But I will yep. stick in Cincinnati and take Joe Burrow as my third quarterback.
0: Yeah, I think that's a prudent pick. This is pro I mean, this is way too late. But you'd take him ten picks ago if this was a, a an exercise. Yeah. If every one teams. of these picks
1: were controlling right. a different franchise, yes. then yes, of course, he would have been a top five pick.
0: Uh, hit me with Devonta Smith, the Slim Reaper. I, I talked about him having 80 catches and, and 100 or 1,000 yards this year. I think he's going to do big things. I think he's, frankly, probably a week one starter if you need him to be. So, uh, at 19, Devonta Smith, give us 20.
1: Javante Williams, I think he already won this job. I'm going Javante in Denver.
0: Fantastic pick. Uh, another guy that I get to pick because I have no shares of, unfortunately. This is this is one that I'm actually, like, uh, very worried that I don't have any shares on, and it's Jalen Waddell. Um, I think he's got he's got a chance to be the best wide receiver out of this draft class, and I don't think there's really all that much of an argument. I've been much more excited about well, really all four. I've I've not talked enough about Jalen Waddle for his size, how competitive he is at the catch point, along with the speed and explosion that he has. He has all the raw tools to go be an absolute superstar in Miami. So this is this is this feels too late for his talent level, actually. Uh, yeah. I kind but,
1: of forgot about him, and I'm going to be honest. I haven't said this on the show or to you personally or I haven't adjusted in my rankings, but if I was doing a rookie draft right now and I was choosing between him, Chase, and Devonta, I think yep. I'm taking Waddle
0: first out of this class right now. I, I wouldn't blame you. On just pure upside alone, I think he has the highest upside. I really do. I, I think if, if Chase hits his upside, he's going to be like wide receiver six. He's going to be Allen Robinson, basically. Wide receiver six to fourteen every year, very consistent week to week. Uh, Devonta Smith, I I don't know exactly where his upside honestly lies. I think he's more of a career wide receiver too. But you're right, Waddle. If he's if somebody's going to be the wide receiver one overall in a singular year, a guy with his you know speed and and explosion is is the type of guy that I look to do it. Are you on the clock here at twenty two?
1: Yeah, I'm on the clock. I okay. got two more picks. I'm going to take Chase
0: Claypool. Good call. I like that. He was a little bit further down my list. You know, we maybe are going to have this conversation at the back end, but I had a hard time getting to 24 that it's like, man, I'm leaving some really good players off the list. Uh, Who do I want to talk about here? I want to talk about James Robinson uh you know this feels frankly late for a running back that's that's scheduled for the type of year he is I you know I had a really hard time I I kind of of forgot
1: he was a rookie last year I don't know why he feels like he's already been in the
0: league for five years (laughs) well probably because he does have a short shelf life but when I started considering kind of you know weighing J.K. Dobbins or Cam Akers versus a guy like James Robinson I think what you're really looking for is one or two big years and I think James Robinson is Almost assuredly walking into that right now. We don't know what it's going to look like for either Dobbins or Akers. So I think, frankly, if you can get that deal done, I know a lot of people would would not be advocating for it. I think that's a move that I would make. I'd take the two years of James Robinson and, and sort of move on if he, Alfred Morris is his way out of the back end of his career. Yeah,
1: I thought about taking one of the eligible injured guys here, Akers or Dobbins yep, or, yep. or Etienne. And I, I just don't think I can I could take them still over some of these badass wide receivers that are still <laughs> there. I'm gonna take Elijah Moore. He maybe isn't the highest Love ranked it. guy on my list, but I'm just I'm really, really excited to watch him play. And I may be overpaying for him a little bit, but whatever.
0: He was the highest ranked receiver I had left. A couple names that we did not take, Trey Sermon. You mentioned Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, Travis Etienne. So all three of the injured running backs. Uh, I mean, Darnell Mooney is would be yeah, like. Yeah, I honestly elite. thought
1: about taking him too, just I, to to prove a point, right?
0: But that's what I'm saying is these last two draft classes have been fantastic, and maybe uh, because you know I'm just I'm a, I'm a wet blanket. I like to do this just to sort of damper the mood. I after this weekend of college football and the work I've been doing. Ah, Man, 2022 feels like sort of that letdown class, that one out of every four, uh, similar to the Jacobs and Miles Sanders and, and Montgomery class. It's hard to get excited about the upcoming ones. So, man, if you can go buy any of these rookies, even the guys like Darnell Mooney or James Robinson, who weren't high draft capital players, I think it's the time to go do it. Go Go spend your 2022 picks if you're competitive this year. I really believe that. I don't think it's a particularly strong draft, and I'm going to go be aggressive. It's not a move I normally make in Dynasty. I'm usually holding those things with a with an absolute, you know, steel vice grip. But uh, this year, I'm going to be pretty fluid. I'm going to use that uh, that currency to go try to win some titles this year.
1: All right. Um, yeah, so that's about all we got for you guys today. Uh, remember, reminder that we are going back to two shows a week, so look yep. for another episode uh, Thursday or Friday,
0: please. Yeah, the day that you uh, you see another episode from us, we'll have live football on that night. So uh, get excited, enjoy your Tuesday, and, and we look forward to seeing you a little later in the week.
1: Absolutely. Have a good week, folks.